Released on Sunday, August 13th, 2017. This Agile Life, Episode 127. Someone stank. The software industry transforms more and more every day. Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones. The question is, are you agile enough? This podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on This Agile Life. I don't want to hear that. What? That we sing this whole episode? Me, me I think singing. We should, let's, let's do it, Craig. I don't, I don't think episode. I can even attempt to sing. Let's, I'm let's not sing a good the, singer. The start. We're, we're not I'm in not, the shower. Would you like to get in the shower with me so we can uh, maybe. sound better? Maybe. I think that's an episode title. <laughs> in the shower with Craig and Amos. Oh, good Lord. Uh, so welcome to this Agile Life. Uh, we are your hosts, Kramus, um, <laughs> which is Craig and Amos. Uh, so Craig drove down to my office today because... Uh, He's bored and he wanted a two-hour drive. I don't know. Um, either that or he just misses my smell. Ah, that must be it. <laughs> it's a special smell. I see. It's. <laughs> I think it's Coke Zero and uh, burps. <laughs> we can just uh, talk to Nick about that. Mm. Uh, I used to eat sushi while we were pairing. I would go eat sushi with, with, before. With wasabi? and the, Yeah, and then oh, I would come no. back and down a hot Coke Zero. Oh, no. And then just rip a big burp and he would just... Yeah, I'm a horrible person. So, so that reminds me. What what's the first rule of pairing? If 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 don't often, drink hot soda after uh, sushi. That, that's awesome. Well, I guess the zeroth rule is you know hygiene, but <laughs> but but the first rule is you must accept a mint or gum if if offered. Yeah, if somebody offers you a mint, get one or go brush your teeth. Uh, um, if they offer you some deodorant, uh, just just go home for the day uh, and come back tomorrow. That's been on a team where someone had that problem and the management had to address it more than once. Uh, so, hey, if you're pairing, you know, wear deodorant. I, I addressed that with a pair once. Oh, yeah, I mean, pairing, you know, it builds so much trust that after we had paired a while, this I, wasn't I like so. day one of pairing. Well, how do you get through the first 12 days well, to get to day 12 of trust? Oh, you, you start with day one where you suffer. Oh, no. Uh, well, so you hour-long pair switch, and then you don't have to uh, deal with it all day. <laughs> Is that why we moved to hour-long pair switching? Yeah. Someone stank? Uh, yeah, well, Craig, it was you. Oh, um, no. <laughs> no. Um, so, so that's what, it, like, that was a lot of it, was I was able to withstand it for a little while, and then I talked to other people and was like, hey, there's somebody's got some bad BO and then they would like blurt out the person's name and I was trying to avoid that and I'm like okay alright so I really do need to talk to them but it was nice because they they already had gotten to a point where they realized that I wasn't trying to be a jerk and I was like hey look <laughs> uh, you smell bad uh. if your code's bad I don't mind being a jerk <laughs> but when you smell bad it's uh. like it, when, you, when personal hygiene is on the line it's hard to talk to somebody so anyway, I drove down here. I'm going to be starting. So it's Friday, and on Monday I'm going to start a new job, um, and I'll be working from home. Amos works in this tiny little office that I guess you could fit three people in here, but it wouldn't be much fun. No, no. Uh, I no, also have no, no windows. windows. Well, the door, which uh, I covered up half of. Well, that's, with paper. that's that's just dumb. 
Well, it was obnoxious. Uh, I would have people, people, would, people would stop and like look and see what I was doing or they'd be looking for somebody. And because they could see me, they thought that they should just open the door and talk ah, to me. I see. Uh, and so I would have meetings cut off. I'd have pairing sessions cut off. Uh, and it was, it was pretty frustrating. So when I put up that paper, it, it really helped. It especially keeps my kids from bugging me so much. Um, but I don't know. It was nice to have somebody in my office. I, I, I get lonely in here. Uh, especially um, if I'm working and not pairing, I get pretty lonely. Oh, yeah. Yep. So part of my plan is to, um, if I'm not pairing with my team members, is to um, maybe come down here once a week um, or meet somewhere in the middle between the two of us um, just to have some some social interaction. There's like nothing minimal. in the middle. <laughs> uh, there, there's a few small towns with, uh, no internet with, with, <laughs> with, with fast food, with Wi-Fi. Oh, that's true. We could go eat work, work at McDonald's all day. Exactly. Maybe we could do a, uh, uh, podcast on, on the agile things we recognize at McDonald's. Oh, nice. I mean, we just did the podcast the, the, the with brewery. the brewery. Yeah. So maybe next is McDonald's. Yeah. Um, Maybe we could pair with, you know, the, the fry cooks or something. No. No? <laughs> I claim I could pair with anyone. I'm not I, sure that would work so well. I've never worked in food service. Well, I worked at a donut shop, but I don't know if that counts. It's not the same. Um, and I don't think I ever want to. I don't know that I could work there all day. Like, smell coming home smell like grease. grease. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Don't, don't need to be a teenager again, thanks. No, no, I'm good. I smell like that without working in a fast food place. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, I, I, uh, recently sent out a tweet, a couple of them actually. And one of them, I said, if you've ever had a code review that took long and ended with unhappy teammates, you probably should have been pairing. And, and it kind of took off. It has, you know, 90 likes currently and 95 retweets. And it's caused a, a little bit of discussion with people. Um, and, and this comes out of like homegrown experience for me is that I notice on teams, even teams that have started pairing and then stopped or never paired at all, is that their code reviews seem to take longer. And there always seems to be somebody who's not quite happy. Either their code didn't get in and they felt like they spent a lot of time on it or they spent a lot of time on it. So they they somebody else on the team thinks that it needs some work, mm -hmm. but it went so long that this little bit of work that could have been fixed is now a, a, as propagated through the system as an issue. Like you've built on top of it throughout a, usually these are bigger code reviews too, when you're not pairing that I find. Hmm, so that's it interesting. propagates through the system and now it's all over. So in order to fix it, it takes a lot of time. And the person who put it in is kind of married to it and gets upset. So, so you either have the person who it's, put it's, it in upset or you have other people on the team saying, don't put it in, but it gets put in anyway because nobody wants to hurt anybody's I feelings. I have seen that. So, so you have trust issues on top of that. And so there's there's ownership, I think, is the, the main issue there because one person feels like it's his or her code and they will sort of take it personally because it's their personal code. Whereas if it was a pair and, you know, sometimes, so are you suggesting a pairing process and then a code review on top of that, or just pairing and then committing? Because 
um, you know, there's there's instant code review when you're pairing. I personally prefer a code review. I, by I do, people I do who too. Pairing, right. um, and a lot of that is is so. For me, pairing is a form of instant communication <clears throat> and right. increasing. What the heck is that? Amber alert. Amber alert. Amber alert. Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, that's way far away. That's like four hours away. All right. We need to stop. Oh, oh okay. We don't need to stop recording. We're going to keep no, going No, we need to that. stop the Amber alert. Oh. Um, so, so it's a, it, it's a constant communication thing. And I think that one, to build good software, I think we've talked enough on here about communication and trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that whenever you aren't pairing you're limiting the amount of communication that you're having with the rest of the team, whether it's yourself or someone else, because you have, when you're pairing, even if you're not speaking and somebody's looking, if they're, if you have actively engaged pairs, there's communication. I'll, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here and say that, well, the code should speak for itself. Well, unfortunately the code didn't speak for itself till long after you had built on top of something that other people on the team might feel is, is, could be done better. And and so this is where I get a lot of people coming back is saying, hey, uh, there's there's some good work in there. And there right. might be, but sometimes it's really hard to dig out of that hole once you put it in. Because now you have three or four people building off of that work and continuing to move forward instead right. of fixing it now. So interestingly, this sounds a lot like Sarah May's uh, tweet storm about code ownership um, and how when you feel like you own something, um, you know, the, the, the same thought of building on top of it and you've, you've got something that someone feels very strongly about, um, that it's theirs and then someone builds on top of it and it, it doesn't come down. Um, you know, the, when you have a, a major issue, usually it's because of multiple problems. Um, and so you've got sort of, uh, a mistake maybe that was made, you know, several months ago, and then you built on top of that, and you made another mistake on top of that, um, and you didn't you didn't see the the first mistake, or you saw it, and there was it was more of a political issue. You know, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. That person feels like they own their code, and I don't want to modify their code. Um, so I think code ownership uh, plays a big part in this as well. So what? What? drives code ownership like what makes people feel like they have to get their code into the code base if you have a code review process or even well, if you don't somebody well, later comes and changes it it might it makes right. people mad but yeah but i'm, I'm i mean it's, it's just human nature but uh, what part of human nature i i think there's pride both the good kind and the bad kind mm-hmm. um the good kind is you know i i want to be proud of the work i'm i'm doing i want to feel like i'm contributing um, so if if I just wrote 500 lines of code and you know you're rejecting my pull request, then um, yeah, it, it hurts my pride when you reject my pull request, um, and I feel like I just wasted my time and didn't get to contribute anything here. I once said they're just feelings and they don't mean. Oh, uh, you say that frequently. <laughs> I think I don't really mean that. I know. Um, There's a little kernel of truth in every joke, though. Yeah. Well, I'm 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 saying a lot of times that we get in situations where we need to put feelings aside, and and the reason I bring that up is because I also think that part of code ownership is fear. 
Um, fear of if my pull request is rejected by the team or doesn't get in, or I spent a lot of time on it and then it doesn't get in, especially, is that it looks like whatever I've been doing the last week right. was not good. Right. Or it looks if my if none of my pull requests get in, it looks like I haven't done anything to someone who might yes. look a month later. Yes. Um, and so I think there's like some trust issues and fear there too. So you said put feelings aside. I, I would caution that that's probably a bad way to look at things. How about we look at our feelings and address the underlying issues um, causing those feelings? Uh, that, that would be nice. Uh, okay. Sometimes it's hard to tell somebody, hey, <laughs> you're, it looks like you're feeling this way. Let's talk about that. Um, but, but that ends up with trust, too. So Yeah. I mean, everything that we talk about usually ends up back at communication and trust, right? Yep. Um, so, so pride contributing fear, um, fear of fear of job loss. Yeah. Fear of looking like you haven't accomplished anything. Um, um, if you are judged or rated or, you know, your, your quarterly reviews are based on, you know, number of commits or number of lines, which by the way, number of lines is a terrible Thing to incentivize because then you'll end up with more code even if it doesn't do anymore i've heard horror stories of that but i've never actually seen it in practice um number of commits might not be a terrible thing because it would encourage smaller commits uh, maybe the same with pull request but still i i would caution against any of those as metrics on how an individual is doing um, well, especially if you're pairing and switching pairs, it's really hard to see who who actually contributed. Yeah. Which um, is awesome, actually. That's like another benefit to pairing because because it can take away that fear. Yes. And then and then the only thing you need to fear is everybody I pair with says that I don't pay attention. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. So again, that's a, a good incentive to have, um, as opposed to negative. Reinforcing, but, but yeah, I think I think that you limit that fear of joblessness if you're pairing all the time. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, so a- another thing on the code ownership that Sarah May had talked about was um, if there's a problem, um, it's it's not Amos's to fix. It's it's the whole team's to fix. You know, if Amos isn't here and it's his code, then I don't want to touch it. You know, he'll get mad or I don't understand his code. Um, But if it's shared ownership, then whoever is available can can go make those modifications and hopefully has a little bit of knowledge of that code um, because more than one person worked on it. Hopefully more than a few people. I I do that with... uh with all my communication, I really try to think about team. Yeah. And um, so even in pull requests, I, I have a tendency to write longer commit messages than oh, most people. I, I do too. Um, that I, well, I shouldn't say the most people. I don't know. The most people I've worked with, uh, you know, I always, I say your last commit message should, should get rejected if it's shorter than your last tweet. <laughs> um, but uh, so I, I will go through and reread those. And if I have anywhere like you or they or anything like that, I change it to we. I do too. And I don't, then, uh, I, I don't like I, I don't really like I, unless I'm taking blame. Yeah. Well, I'll maybe. say I, yeah. if I'm taking blame, but it's we in yep. any other context. Yeah. I, and in fact, I do we 
for almost everything I do, even if it's solo at this point, for the most part. Um, you know, maybe that's been because uh, as an independent contractor, I sometimes want to look like I'm a bigger company. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, um, I actually recently had somebody I was talking about doing the Wii thing, and they, they were like, I see you doing that. It's like, yes. <laughs> so the other thing about shared ownership and, and blame is, um, or, you know, if there's a problem that, um, you know, the whole team doesn't, or the whole team, you know, can can focus on fixing it instead of worrying about blame. Um, and when something good happens, the whole team can sort of celebrate the win. So code ownership has, has a lot of benefits, or shared code ownership has a lot of benefits, I think. Um and pairing is a good way to get to that shared ownership. I think it makes people feel more free to try something new or to spend a little more time on something. Because when the whole team is looking at it and you've been pairing and everybody's moving around and looking at these things, I think there's more of a chance to say, hey, this is actually a hard problem instead of, oh, crap, Craig put in 10 pull requests and I haven't done one. I better hurry up and just get something out there. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds legitimate. I mean, that's never happened to me before. You normally Craig's the one saying, "Oh crap!" Ah, <laughs> right. Um. So, so it it gives a chance to try new things. I think. I think it increases communication to be pairing more often. Um, and it reduces code ownership. So I think what you're saying is trust makes you feel comfortable. Um, well, why why does pairing build trust? Um, some of it's just the fact that talking to people in person builds trust. Um, I was listening to, I think, uh, a TED Talk yesterday about uh, Palestinians and Israelis. Um, and it was a, a Palestinian kid who um, learned Hebrew and just being in the room with other people learning Hebrew um, that were Israeli and the teacher like, Hey, these people are nice. You know, you, you have that personal connection and it just, just builds trust naturally. So when you, um, in fact, there's, um, so when you, when you network uh, with people, um, you know, for long-term, you know, finding jobs um, in-person networking in some ways is, probably not the best way to do that because just by meeting people in person you build trust even though you never actually have seen that person work oh you mean that you start to overly trust them yes or they overly trust you yeah that's so, not bad though always it, well, well <laughs> it has its ups and downs right uh, so if you know someone if you met someone in person you you almost always feel like there's more trust there than than someone you've just you know, emailed or sent letters to, or maybe even video chatted. Or sometimes less trust because of their behavior when you met them. Well, well, uh, no, almost always more. Unless they did something bad, you know, but yeah. usually people don't misbehave. But yeah, I guess that is a good point. If people misbehave in person, then you're going to... You assume they're going to be worse when they're not you're, in you're, person. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to ding them probably... More than if they did something bad online. Um, I just... Uh, it went away. I lost it. I had something. All right. It's gone. What, what more about pairing did you want to talk about? Or what... what? 
your your tweets, your series of tweets, oh, the um, conversations on Twitter. Well, the the one that I had before that we've touched on it a little bit um, was it, it's really kind of my idea of pairing is what we lack in communication shows up in the quality of our software and the speed at which we deliver that quality of software. Wait, wait, wait. So Conway's law in the small. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I've never thought of it in the small. I've, I've, well, you know, that, it's usually the organizational structures, communication structures, um, departments, you know. Um, so if you have two departments, you've basically got two separate code bases, most likely. But you're talking about Conway's law in the small. Well, kind of. In, in the I mean, almost at the module or the method level or functional level. Yeah. Interesting. I've like, never, like things. I, I think that you get. Um, I, I don't want to say sep- like no separation because it doesn't cause this spider web of code whenever everybody's pairing like that. <laughs> um, which would be Conway's law, right? That your software mimics the communication lines that you have. Right. Although within a module, within a module, well, within a, let's say a, a class, um, anything can talk to anything. But yeah, I guess... When, when you go beyond the class level, it does not quite mirror. Um, although, if you looked at the call patterns, maybe it does. That, that's interesting. Maybe worth, worth looking into and seeing if you can find some of those parallels. I don't know. We have to have to dig up a project that's been paired on like that for a long period of yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and consistently. But uh, the the big thing there for me is the communication is what actually increases the speed. And the quality. And it's hard to constantly communicate if you're not constantly pairing. Yeah, I mean, pairing is constant communication if, if you're doing it right. Even um, without speaking. <laughs> uh, if you have how, an engaged how? pair, they don't necessarily have to say anything. They're, they're watching the code or they're coding and you're watching the code. If you're not saying anything, though, is it more just condoning or... What else could you say without? I think it depends on how long talking. it goes, right? There's a lot of communication that goes or, on in or, person or, without, or without. Or you just kind of grunt like, uh, and, and, and then like, they fix it. And yeah. Then, yeah, like a typo that actually could happen, I suppose. And I'm sure we've done that before. Yeah, like, uh, and I got it. Yep. <laughs> um, hmm. um, what other nonverbal communication do we have when pairing, though? Uh, so, picking up your phone. <laughs> um, well you can see people disengage and, yeah and and then that can that's... cause you to say hey what do you because a lot of times what i find is people either disengage whenever you're taking over or whenever oh, they disagree okay. with you and you okay. haven't built up enough trust yet oh. for them to say anything so they'll mm. start to disengage and then i say hey hey what do you think about this and i and i, I and i'll even start out even if i think it's great i'll say i'm i'm not real sure about this what do you think? Because that gives it the right. that gives them permission to say this sucks. <laughs> you know, they're probably not going to say it sucks, but it gives them permission by asking them by by saying up front, "I'm not sure. Help me." Um, and I find that works really well, especially if you're pairing with somebody who is much more your junior. Junior team, and and believe me, those people bring a lot to the table that we don't always recognize. Well, I mean, if nothing else, if they're engaged, then they're at least as good as a, a rubber duck. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, slightly better than a rubber. I duck hope. I hope. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I find out that in pairing, I look things up a lot less. Um, yeah, I don't. I think that might be harmful to the juniors, though, and 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 making them think that it's bad to look things up. I don't ask. I don't ask not to look it up. Uh, explain. Um, it's just that in in some things that I might go look up, I might know one API better than you do, and you know another mm-hmm. one better than me. So I might go to look up the HTTP library code, like how do I call this? And you're right. like, oh, I know how to do that. Blah, blah, blah. And so I'm less likely to go oh, okay. spend the time okay. and or designs like you see something coming and you're like, hey, I know a great way to do this. Let me show you instead of where I would be stuck or struggling trying to figure out where we should go next. Well, that's that's one of my explanations of pairing and why it works is that 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 all that time you spend stuck and don't even realize it. And there's a lot of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I realize it more right after coming off of uh, where I'm pairing a lot to not pairing at all. I can see... That's interesting. That like, Well, I can look at pull requests and see how many pull requests are going out. My pull requests are usually about the same size whether I'm pairing with somebody or not um, because I'm pretty diligent about it. Although I do see a lot of larger pull requests when people aren't pairing because they're more likely to not have somebody say, hey, hey, that's small enough. Um, and I would say, I shouldn't say that mine are larger they are larger still like where i might have stopped it you know my one one uh well the other day i did it instead of having one feature per pull request i actually handled a good path and a bad path in the same Mm, pull mm -hmm. request where you normally would not do that right i wouldn't normally do it i would let it fail so 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 story splitting is important yeah yeah (laughs) something we've talked about before i don't know if we've covered that very well though but uh, it's a nice technique to get smaller commits. Yeah, we, we've uh, had a few pull reviews, pull yeah, requests. Like, although the other day, what did I say? Less le- pull requests should be less than five hundred lines. Yes, your your addendum to Sandy Metz's rules. Yeah, <laughs> um, and and a lot of people look at Sandy Metz's rules and they say that's object oriented rules, but I don't think so. It can be functional. It doesn't matter. Um, they're specifically for Ruby. In fact, two of her rules that you you rarely see are specific to Rails. Um, but uh, yeah, they're specific to Ruby. I would think. I mean, she says that I think a method should be ten lines or less. Um, you might make that a little longer in some other languages. Um, personally, in my Ruby, I would say five lines or less because. Um, I'd say 80 to 90% of mine are one or two lines. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think just about any language you can get down to a couple lines and be more clear. Well, if like, you think about um, Ruby versus Java, Ruby, you can do a one-liner with a, with a conditional at the end, whereas in Java, that would be three lines. So there, there's a difference between languages in those. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I think I don't know. That's a different different discussion. I think All at right. some point. Um, where where were we on the uh, pairing conversation? So we talked about code ownership. We've talked about trust and communication. Um, talked about sort of the instant code review. Instant effects. code review. Yeah, and I I have you know 
I keep mentioning over and over switching pairs. Um, you got to spread that communication and trust around. Uh, and I've, I've actually seen groups that end up with less communication because of pairs who stick together for a long time. Ah, yeah. Um, I've, I've talked to some companies that for weeks or months, oh, yeah. they, they will have a team of six and they'll put two people all like in groups of two to pair. Yep. And then they won't switch for a month. Even, even companies that are, you know, a year. doing a good job at, at agile in general. Um, I've seen that happen. Um, they, they tend to be doing a good job at most things, but that seems to have some disadvantages, uh, probably more than the advantages I, from what I've seen. Um, you, you don't get that shared ownership. You get, well, you get a shared ownership of those two people. You get clicks. That's yeah. What I well, see. yeah. Yeah. Um, and you don't, I, I think it creates a kind of odd communication patterns where you're communicating a lot with this one person, but not the rest of the team. And, and you know, if you have, let's say you have four <clears throat> pairs on a team or five, let's say you have five pairs on a team, you probably end up with a couple pairs that are communicating pretty well cross pair. Yeah. And then you have like a pair or two that well, aren't communicating at all. Well, and that kind of gets shut out. It does create those kind of it mm, more likely to create those clicks where but if you're if switching you're, often, but if you're switching, you're still going to have those pairs that aren't clicking together. So that's why one of the things that I say about switching often is that you get, I, a, you I, get a break from that get, person. Well, I get a break from that person, but I also get to work with other people that work with that person, and everybody has a different style. Ah, and I learn new techniques. And you say, in order to deal oh. Well, Craig, when you're pairing with Craig, you have to take the keyboard away from him when he's... Well, maybe. Well, yeah, maybe. No, I mean, that's actually been, been without, true. without even discussing right. with those other people how they pair with, like, let's say uh-huh. you, just that I, I pair with you and you have a certain style and I'm very different. And then I pair with somebody who's kind of in between us uh-huh. and I end up getting these little techniques or getting a breather from like pairing with somebody who's hard for me to pair with. And I'm not saying that they stink or they're bad a fast typer or we yeah. had a fast typer on oh, our team for a yeah. while. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know what's going on here. Like I, I can't keep up. I worked with, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw his name out, Oliver Ferrini uh, on a project. And that man, it was a Java project. And I think he knew Eclipse better than anybody ever <laughs> in my life. And he would bounce through four files and change all of them before I knew he left. The first <laughs> and I was like, I've what the heck that, is yeah. going on? Um, Which would be okay if he was explaining what he was doing at the time he was doing it, maybe. He would, but he'd go so fast, he would uh, outrun yeah, what he was explaining, too. and then he would uh. be like, uh, just a minute. <laughs> um, no, but I loved working with Oliver. He's he's pretty awesome. Um, he works at uh, Amazon now, I believe. But um, anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, Frequently. <laughs> yes. So... I, I, I learn from other people as I'm working with them. I just see techniques that they use to pair, or I learn better how to work with the person who's halfway between us. And so next time I come back around, or even just the break from working with somebody can let my brain mm. process how our pairing session went and you're, figure out how to do it better next time. Because you're probably using a different part of your brain with each person you pair with. Slightly. Maybe. And there's some... You know, like they say that boredom increases your creativity. Um, it, it, yeah, there's a whole lot of studies on it. Hmm. You should go read about it sometime. Hmm. Um, so, uh, and I'm not saying that boredom, but the fact that I'm switching 
gives my brain time to process what happened then and and it gives it a break like especially if there there's some people that I just have a hard time communicating with yeah. when I first meet them and so my brain hurts after an hour or two of of spending time with them and if I can take a break from them and come back and and start that communication over I I can communicate with them even better than I could before. So I'm not sure that constant boredom would be great for your creativity. I think it's some boredom in between um, things that are interesting. Well, yeah, if you're bored, uh, things for, that are stimulating. If you're bored for a year, yeah, you might I, have I a, a lot of great ideas, but you're not so. going to be doing anything if you're yeah, bored. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like like so, I've been unemployed for four months, and. Um, that that didn't quite stimulate my creativity. Like, Let me put down your phone. Uh, well, <laughs> stay off your computer. Well, Watch that, some water that, boil. That's where that's where I do the creative things is on the computer, though. Well, what, but you have to take that break and be bored in between. Well, not watch okay. TV. Like seriously, I I need I need to f- be focused though with with like sort of almost an external project that that, I, that depends on me. I want you. To do an experiment for me. This okay. is this is our mini retro of, of <laughs> this. Um, and so you know the rule of retro is that you have to try it. You have to try it. All right. Okay. And it's it's going to be easy because you have what like a an hour and a half drive home, hour and forty minutes, something like that. Uh huh. No phone, no radio. I nothing. don't use the phone while I'm in the car. Well, oh well, not texting you, and reading. I didn't ask you about okay. that. All right. No phone, no radio, or anything. Put your phone, phone on phone silent and turn off your radio. Oh, I did that the other day, actually. And drive all the way back that two hours. I think I did that on the way home last time. And here's okay. what I want you to do. Think Count about. the mile markers. <laughs> I'm good at counting. I might like that too much, actually. That might be too distracting. Oh, oh then just drive in silence so that the only thing that you have to do is think. And even that, you're engaged a little <clears> bit when you're driving, so you won't be completely... Bored. So last time I drove home from here and I think I turned the radio off, I I had the top down and, and I started gazing up at the stars so much that I had to pull over because <laughs> I was too interested in the stars because you live out in the country. So the stars out here are pretty amazing compared yes, to you can you know, actually see them. the suburbs. You, I actually saw the Milky Way a little out, bit out at my house, not in town here. Like I, I so I live in a town of like 5000 people. Um, and but I you actually, don't even live in town. I don't live in town. I live out of town. Um, but the big thing about my house is I'm kind of in a valley, and I'm on a hill in the valley. But if you walk down into the valley, you can't really see the lights of town anymore ah. in the sky. So you can really get a good view of of the You know, I've noticed that stars. when I'm going camping, you know, it's by a river, so it's in a valley. So that probably helps with with that too, I guess. Yeah, it blocks a little bit of that sunlight. All right, we've digressed again yet. Yeah, but um so I I think um there's one other thing that we didn't talk about pairing that that has benefits and that's sharing of knowledge. Um whether that's um a senior more senior person sharing some knowledge with a uh you know of, of the language with a more junior person or just you know more knowledge of the code base. Um you know that that you all have a little bit of knowledge about all of the code base. Um, that that shared knowledge is is helpful. And when we talked about those those teams that don't pair switch except every few weeks, well, you're not going to get that shared knowledge. 
you're going to have only those two people knowing about that piece of the code base. Um, and that, that can cause some problems when there's a problem that needs to be debugged quickly and, you know, you're on call and you've never seen that part of the code base before. Or they left. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Possibly both of them because they might have left as a pair, in fact. That's another reason for a manager to want their teams to pair, actually. <laughs> to pair switch? It's not about... Well, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit about, like, somebody's going to leave and then we're going to need to know about it. They, they always say the mm-hmm. bus number or somebody gets sick. That's because nobody wants to say because they decided that this place sucks to work at. Uh, but by pair switching often and discussing things, when you're sitting down to a pair, do you ever sit there and only talk about code? No, not really. Do you find out about their life? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. And so I think that that builds trust and the more that it makes them feel like part of the community. And people don't, I mean, unless you like get offered lots of money, people don't normally quit jobs. They quit environments. I've heard it says they quit, quit they quit managers. Yeah, um, well, managers. I think make set a lot up of the environment. Right? Yeah. So if if you're constantly pairing like that, you create this group that becomes tight knit. Yeah. And they don't want to leave. Well, we had our you know dream team right that became that tight knit that we always want to get that we want to get the band back together. We know it can't happen, but. We, we want to. I'm not rich enough to get the band. Exactly. Back it's like trying to hire Ringo Starr to play drums for me. Uh, <laughs> you can. You just pay for a concert ticket, but... Uh. Yeah, and then, well, then I just watch him play yeah, drums. Okay. I mean, in my band. Oh, okay. Gotcha. You know, because we were going to sing the whole episode earlier. Oh, yeah. That would be really depressing. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I... I like that's a big thing is that it causes you to have more camaraderie because you're likely to find out more about people. And it, like, this is the one thing that I've, I've tried, you know, um, what's it called? Uh, mob programming. Mm-hmm. And I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, but there's an intimacy to pair programming ah, that, yes. that creates that camaraderie and makes you feel tighter and closer to the team. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I and, agree. You, I think that in mob programming, you lose a little bit of that intimacy. Even, even when you have a third, you know, um, if if maybe you have a a new person and um, you want to do three instead of two and in, in, in a single person, um, so sometimes you'll pair with a third person. Um, not as intimate as pairing with just two people. And intimacy causes trust. True. True. So, yeah, and and I. There's, I love mob programming. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to do it 100% of the time. And the reason why is because the intimacy loss that I've seen. And I've been on a team where most of our work that we would get done in a week, like we would have very few things pushed out. And we would mob program for a day every week. And we would blow through a ton of stuff. Mm. Um, but what I found out is even during the mob programming session, there were like three of us. They were really like it was almost still an intimate thing, mm. and then the and other then people just checked kinda, out. Well, they would they would have input, but very rarely. Mm. Um, but so we would there were things that we did to try to improve that, and and I'm sure long term, if we had continued that, and if we were mob programming every day, that it would be very different. But I still think there's a little bit of that intimate 
moments that are missing there. So you said you wouldn't want to mob program all the time. There's a lot of people that don't want to pair program all the time. Yeah, I think they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so what you say is right and uh, what they say is wrong. No. Their, their I, feelings don't matter. They need to put them aside. <laughs> put their feelings aside. Um, no, that's why I was saying that I'm sure if I pair, if I mob program longer, I, I would get mm-hmm. more out of it. Um, is So another thing I think with pair programming... If someone is good at it, they can help the other pair learn how to be better at it. Yeah. Um, that seems much harder to do with mob programming. It would be hard to bring along, know. you know, five people versus one person. I don't know that because that's of the intimacy. mob programmed with. Uh, yes, that's true. It's harder to train ten people than it is one. Um, you know, that's why they want classrooms with less people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that if you've been with somebody... Like Woody Zool, who's mm-hmm. mob programmed a lot. Right. You might be in a You'd very... probably pick up a lot of... You'd probably get better at it faster on yeah. Woody than with me. Yeah. Yeah, that makes I'd some sense. I'd probably get better at everything faster with somebody <laughs> other than you. Um, oh. <laughs> no. Um, no, and... You're losing my trust. <laughs> I try. All the time. Uh, I still haven't succeeded completely. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't know. That's that's an interesting point, though, that I really feel like there's very rare occasions when you should be programming by yourself. And I think that's because... Says the man sitting in an office by himself. I, I hate <laughs> Yes, but I pair with people a lot. Yeah, remote pairing. And, and, I, and I hate... I, I would prefer to pair in person, really. I just can't make it happen all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I try to, I try to visit customer sites as regularly as I can, uh, so that we can do that in-person pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, as there, I always say, there's, there's, there's communication in mob programming and there's communication in pairing, but there's no communication in heads down programming uh, with your headphones uh. on, not talking to anybody. And, and I think that is the big difference. So, so as I say, as far as the remote pairing, I, I say it's a lot easier to do remote pairing after you've gotten good at in-person pairing. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. Um, unless you have someone on the other end that's a phenomenal pair. Hmm. Um, and then I think you can learn a lot. But it's going to take a lot of coaching on their end, too. Yeah. Um, but player coaching, right? Like, they're they're not... Telling yes. you and yep. somebody else yep. how to pair. Yep. They're actually doing player, it with you. Player coaching for the win once again. Yeah. Um, that rhyme, should I sing it? Player coaching for the win once again? <laughs> yeah. Yes, no. you should. Let's hear no. it, Craig. No. Come on, Craig. No. This week's hottest picks. Uh, before we started recording, we ran over to a, a local place called Just the Taste, and they have they change their beers and stuff out all the time. And I had a Maltopia Hermitage Brewing from Hermitage Brewing. It was really good. So I have to have this pick out there for Joe. Um, I actually hopefully can pick a lot of beers that Joe can't get because I heard he's not <laughs> coming to Strange Loop this oh, year. Oh, no. And I keep trying to get him to come. The one year that. that he came, I couldn't make it up to see him. So I was hoping he'd be there this year, and I bought a ticket, and then he didn't come. So anyway, if any of you out there are going to Strange Loop, uh, let us know. I believe, Craig, you're going to. Yep, yep. So, And even if you're not, we most of us are in the St. Louis area, so maybe we could get it uh, meet up. Um, hey, 
think there might be a few tickets left. There were a few weeks ago, and so they've they've expanded the number of people. Um, they've actually got two venues uh, about a block apart. And Adam Savage is speaking. Yes. That's, so that's, that should be cool. That's pretty cool. That's the whole reason I bought a ticket, actually. Yep. Um, I I am going to be at ElixirConf um, coming up in Seattle, and I will also be at Elixir Rocks uh, out in Denver. And uh, Craig, I think you're headed to RubyConf, right? So I'm uh, writing up some proposals for RubyConf, which is in New Orleans this year, uh, which means my wife is going to come down for the weekend. Some of her friends are coming down, too. So he's not going to have time to hang out with you? No, that's after the conference. Oh, okay. Which is fortunate because, you know, I I have a bad enough time uh, preparing for a talk before, you know, trying to watch talks while I'm preparing talks. Uh, it's not as much fun. Not enough boredom. I guess so. so. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Think about your talk topics all the way home tonight. Oh, I will be. Yeah, with the radio off. That I could do. And then when you get home, watch Water Boil. <clears throat> this Agile Life is brought to you by a community of Agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.